welcome to Adapt, episode 30, which is brought to you by Drafts and Paperlike. My name is Ryan Christoffel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Federico Vitici. How are you, my dear sir, today? Ah, uh, hello. So formal. Hi. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It, you know, it, it's hot outside. It's summer. But, yes. uh, but enjoying iPadOS. We're enjoying the betas. I know, you know, we have been in this series about using the iPad as a primary computer. And the last couple episodes in this series, we have talked about so many apps. And today we're not going to do that. We're not going to talk about apps. <laughs> we have we're we're really not. <laughs> exactly. Um, if, if we have not talked about enough apps for people, then, I mean, there's a great uh, podcast called App Stories you can go listen to for more app coverage. Oh, or, <laughs> or, or read MacStories.net. You know, there, there are other places to go. But we have other things to talk about. We want to wrap up the series today. And the way that we thought would be good to do that is to just kind of cover a few different topics just kind of mini topics, I guess you could say, about, you know, why we love using the iPad as our, our primary computer. Um, I, I think our listeners have probably gotten some of the answers to that just in listening to us over the past year, however long they've been listening mm-hmm. or reading Mac stories. But but to just cover, you know, what are, what are the main things right now that are keeping us um, engaged and mm-hmm. happy iPad users and then talk about how the iPad isn't necessarily for everyone. So there are people out there that it may not be the best primary computer. Maybe a Mac would be right. better. Well, you know, right. we, we will admit that. That's, that's okay to say. Um, but the main reason for that is that the iPad, obviously like, like everything, but the iPad has ways that it needs to improve. The, the device obviously works really well for Federico and I, but there are lots of things that it could do, that Apple could do in iPadOS or through hardware to make it a better primary computer for more, more people. And so we're going to talk about some of those things. Um, so we just got a variety of topics, things to wrap up this series. And uh, and yeah, so I think it'll be be a fun episode. And, uh, and then we will move on to, you know, new things in our next episode. But uh Federico, you want to kind of kick us off talking about why we love the iPad as our primary computer? Sure. I mean, if I, w- if I was one of our haters, I would say just to prove a point. <laughs> a lot of people think that we like the iPad because we need to prove a point. Some to some people, I have no idea why they think this. But no, that's not the reason. Um, I guess it really comes down to this idea of, of having a device and these two points are actually related to each other. Uh, the modularity of the iPad, which I've written about before, and the sense of freedom that that approach gives you. So by modularity, I mean the iPad is a unique kind of device, a unique kind of computer, in that it allows you to use it in multiple configurations, in multiple contexts because of that. Uh, so obviously... The, the very start the very starting point of the iPad experience is the tablet and you can use the iPad as a tablet you can hold it in your hands I mean obviously there's gonna be um, some iPads are gonna be more comfortable to hold for example my iPad mini which I use as a reading device and as a YouTube device is much more comfortable to hold than my 12.9 inch iPad pro however if I want to I can also use the iPad pro despite the size I can use it as a tablet. And in fact, what I really like about my primary computer, my work computer, which is the big iPad Pro, is the fact that because of this modular approach, I can use a single machine in a variety of different situations. So during the day, I would use the iPad Pro, most likely now uh, with a magic keyboard at a desk, and I will just interact with the iPad using the trackpad and the pointer. And sometimes I will touch the screen but otherwise I will just use the trackpad and the keyboard. But then if I want to, I can also connect the iPad to my external display via, via USB-C cable. And I, when I do that, it's because maybe I'm feeling like a little bit of strain on my neck and I don't want to stare down at the iPad display anymore and I just want to have like a, like a bigger UI in front of me at eye level, uh, which I think is more comfortable. So already there, I'm switching the configuration of the iPad Pro from a laptop 
that is just totally portable to something that is like docked to my external display. But then if I want to, like usually when I'm done writing myself and if I need to check out something that you guys have, have um, prepared for Mac stories or if I need to edit the newsletter, for example, you, what I would do usually is I would just uh, pick up the iPad from the Magic Keyboard. So I only have the iPad, the, the tablet in my hands and I would like go hang out like on the, on the couch in the living room and I would just hold the iPad and read uh, one of your stories or an issue of the newsletter. So that's an, an entirely different configuration already. So it's, it's another way of using it. And this, to me, sums up the iPad experience quite nicely, especially the modern iPad experience, because it, it didn't used to be this way. It used to be that you could use only, like, like you could use an iPad with a smart cover and yes, there was integration with external keyboards, but back in the day, before 2015, before the first iPad Pro, Apple was not making the smart keyboard, for example. And you could use an iPad with a Bluetooth keyboard, but you didn't have great integration uh, with keyboard shortcuts and keyboard navigation in, in apps. And so the modern iPad experience allows for this kind of modularity. And because of this modularity, I feel a lot more freedom when I, with this device as my primary computer. Uh, again, back in the day, I used to work on a MacBook Pro and then on a MacBook Air, and I knew that there were particular scenarios in which I couldn't work with that computer, either because I didn't have a cellular connection and so I was out of, a, of Wi-Fi range, or just because it was uncomfortable to hold a laptop, um, you know, just to lug it around and, and use it on the go. And with the iPad, I don't have these limitations anymore. And so not only do I get to use the, the device anywhere I want, because I, you know, it's lightweight, it's portable, it's big enough to, to write and read stories, and it's got a cellular connection, of course, but also I get to choose how I want to use it. So do I want to have, and I have a variety of cases and keyboards, uh, but uh, these days I primarily use the Magic Keyboard, but I can also work at my desk and I can also hold the iPad in my hands and use it that way. So the modularity is to me in, almost intrinsically tied to this sense of freedom that the iPad grants. And that to me, I, if I had to choose, I would say that these two aspects are by far the most important reason why I like to use the iPad. Yeah, for me right now, I don't use the iPad in almost any configuration besides laptop mode connected to my Magic Keyboard. But that hasn't always been the case, and that probably won't always be the case. And mm. so I still appreciate the flexibility of being able to, you know, use the device in different modes. Uh, when we were talking a while back about kind of the 11-inch versus the 12.9-inch iPad Pro, you know, one of the big conclusions... Um, was that the 11-inch seems to be a better tablet, the 12.9-inch seems to be a better laptop. And so for me right now, just with my work needs, I, I don't really need a tablet in my life. And I used to. Um, I used to have a job where I would use the device as a tablet all the time. And, uh, and so, you know, the, the versatility of the device was much more important to me back then these days, it's not so much, but I appreciate the fact that that can change. Uh, and I don't really like, you know, I, lots of people in talking about kind of Apple Silicon Macs and things that Apple could do there. You know, maybe they're going to add touch to touch support, maybe not. Um, but people are talking about making maybe a two-in-one Mac. And and I, I kind of don't like the idea of that because traditionally, and I'm sure Apple could do a decent job of one but traditionally i i really don't like the hardware design of two-in-one type devices whether it's you know built around folding the keyboard back behind the the screen or whether it's actually detachable like i just haven't found them particularly elegant or uh, some are better than others for sure but but i don't really care for that design but i love how Apple has built the iPad to essentially be a two-in-one. And with the Magic Keyboard especially, like the fact that you've got this, this floating magnetic hinge and you mm. can just easily reach your hand under it and grab it and pull it off to be a tablet, 
it just feels so much nicer to me than what I've seen from two and ones in the past. Um, and I'm sure Apple could do something similar with a Mac if they wanted to, but but I don't know that they would because that's not really the primary identity of the Mac. Whereas the iPad, what Apple has moved toward more and more is that a major part of why the iPad exists is to be this versatile kind of be everything computer. And, you know, Craig Federici talked about that um, the last time that you interviewed him on App Stories, which I'll have a link in the show notes to that interview. That's, but such, a, that's such a weird thing to say when you think about it. it. it oh, the it last really time is. you talked, it's Yeah, the, the so one weird. of many times. But, <laughs> but you know, when, when you hear words out of an Apple executive's mouth about what they think of a device, it, it says a lot because we can all kind of speculate like, oh, you know, what does Apple see? kind of the distinction between the iPad and the and the Mac being or you know whatever but but Craig you know verbally talked about the strength of the iPad or at least one of them being its versatility and so that says to me okay this is a major you know part of how Apple thinks of the iPad I know that we have already thought of the iPad in that way and you've been talking about modularity for a long time but Apple hasn't necessarily talked about it that way um, until recently, at least not much. And yeah. so to hear them say that makes me really excited about what the future of this product could be and how they can continue to make it a more versatile, more modular device moving forward, which, which just provides more flexibility you know, for different uh, work needs, different lifestyles, different you know, whatever the case may be. And so even though right now I don't necessarily need a lot of that modularity and flexibility, I still think it's a great thing to have. Yeah. Yeah, and if anything, you could argue that w what we've seen this year from Apple, first with 13.4 and then with iPadOS 14, you could actually make the argument, make the case that, that Apple has been paying more attention to the accessories than the actual touch experience. Because first we got the, the Magic Keyboard and the System Pointer. And by the way, a lot of thought went into the Pointer and like... I highly recommend checking out the Designing for Pointer session from WWDC where members of Apple's design team go really in-depth on the design and the interactions on the Pointer. Super fascinating stuff. So first it did that in 13.4. And then with 14, one of the biggest additions this year is the, all the new Apple Pencil stuff with Scribble and the new integration in Notes. Um, so a lot of work went into that as well. And you could actually make the argument that, well, Apple has actually prioritized keyboards and pencil this year, and they haven't really done much in terms of multi-touch and drag and drop and like managing the multitasking multitasking experience on iPad via touch. But and this is actually, I think, one of the one of the ideas that I'll develop in my in my review later later in the summer. Uh, I strongly feel that a modern iPad experience. And this applies to apps, but this applies to Apple's own like OS as well. Like the modern iPad experience needs to be optimized at this point for all kinds of inputs. It needs to be optimized for the keyboard, for trackpad, for external mice and trackpads, uh, for the pencil and for touch. So you have this multiplicity of inputs that you need to optimize for, that you need to design for, that wasn't true years ago. And if anything, you could say that this year in 13.4 in and 14, Apple hasn't brought that many changes, if at all, in terms of how do you actually work with the iPad via touch without the accessories, which I think is interesting because like you go back a couple of years ago and you uh, like imagine telling somebody, hey, you know, in a couple of years, Apple will ship updates that will come with like a trackpad, a pointer, and then system-wide Apple Pencil integration but no major changes to multi-touch. And I bet that, you know, any person would be highly surprised by that future revelation. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and it also kind of explains why it seems like one of the things that I heard several times throughout WWDC is Apple trying to stress the iPad is a touch-first device. It's like they had right. to say that so that people don't say, yeah. kind of misunderstand their actions. Because their actions, at least this year, their focus has been on developing these other aspects of the iPad. But they're like, okay, developers, don't forget, like, it's it's still a touch-first device. You still need to 
first and foremost think of it that way. But these other areas are things that we right now are focusing on developing and building out. And so, you know, it, it's just an interesting um, way mm-hmm. of framing how Apple is evolving the iPad over time. And we're, yeah. we're seeing it happen right now, especially this year. Yeah. But, and, and speaking of touch, I guess the one of the things I want to mention is how we've covered um, many times before all the issues with iPad multitasking. You, Ryan, also had a concept on Mac Stories a few months ago about a potential way to address some of the confusion that some people have when it comes to managing split view and slide over. But I will tell you that, well, obviously, I think I mentioned this before, I agree that the whole system needs to be rethought and redesigned. It can be more, um, you know, it can be a little intimidating to new, to new users and to anyone who isn't as well-versed in the iPad as a productivity machine as we are. But I will tell you that I, personally, I actually really like drag and drop and the whole system of managing windows and, and split views and multitasking with drag and drop. I really personally, maybe it's because I'm used to it, but I really like it myself. I think it, it gives me a lot of control. It gives me a lot of freedom. And I understand why a lot of folks don't like it. I understand why this should be an option. It shouldn't be the primary mode. I really do feel like the primary way of interacting with split view and slide over should not be a complex set of gestures. But personally speaking, I really like it. And I think if it goes away completely, some people hope that it will. I personally will be sad. I think I agree with that, honestly. I, I you know, I did my concept and and in my concept I I do kind of state that I think Apple should remove the drag and drop ability. I mean, they could keep it as an option, but just knowing mm-hmm. Apple, it's like, are they really going to do that? Um, mm-hmm. But th- the main idea behind my concept, which you know, was to put multitasking controls into context menus, but there's some other concepts out there about you know putting other menu controls somewhere. It, essentially, the idea is making multitasking more discoverable, and and I, I really think that that needs to be done for the sake of the mass market more so than for us. Like personally, I, I do enjoy the drag and drop system. It has its, it has its shortcomings. Uh, so one, one thing that I regularly encounter is say I've got the files app in slide over and I start, you know, dragging a file and, you know, I might want to drag that somewhere else to upload it to a website in Safari, or I might want to drag it into a folder within the files app or something like that. But then because of the location that the slide over window is on screen, often that file will become a new slide over window itself. Oh yeah, I know what you mean. That's so and, and so sometimes I get in this situation where I'm, I'm trying to drag and drop a file to some other location but it keeps turning itself into yes, a new yes. window. And I'm like, yeah. no, I don't want it to be a new window. <laughs> and it's depending on the exact setup that you have, it, it's almost impossible to get it to do what you want. And then you have to, you know, just do it some other way, like through a context menu and, and choosing the action from there. But for the most part, I think that the drag and drop system is really fun. It's, it's really, um, it, I don't think it's as well suited to trackpad input, which also good I, point. I can, yes. Yeah, I, I control my iPad a lot with the trackpad now. I definitely still use touch a lot, but if you're just using the iPad as a touch device, if you're using it as a tablet, then I think that the drag and drop system for multitasking just feels it feels very futuristic to me in many respects. Mm-hmm. Um it feels not not intuitive in that you can figure it out yourself, but once you know how to do it, it just it's it's very fluid. Um, yeah, it's very like smooth. Tom Cruise in Minority Report, just moving. Sure, exactly. <laughs> that, yeah. Exactly. And so yeah. I, there's a lot I appreciated about it. Um, personally, I think for the sake of other users who will never discover it or will really struggle and who do really struggle. I mean, I've, 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 I've tried to help several people who use the iPad learn the multitasking system, and they really struggle with just the the mechanics of okay you've got to 
you know, touch and hold, but don't touch and hold too long because then the context menu is going to pop up. But touch and yeah. hold for this amount of time and then drag it to this part of the screen and wait for it to turn into this shape. Like it, it is a complex system for sure. And there's a steep learning curve. Once you master that learning curve, I think it's pretty nice. But um, anyways, yeah. Uh, so just to say, I appreciate the current system and I enjoy the current system personally. It's just for the sake of other people, I think it should change. Yeah. Yeah, something that I that I mentioned in my story that I did a few weeks ago for the iPadOS 14 public beta, I mentioned that um, if there ever was a reason to get rid of the current system for multitasking based on drag and drop, it would be the fact that it doesn't really work well with the trackpad. And so if we start from the assumption that going forward... The future of the iPad platform is one where all features need to work equally well with touch and the pointer. The current system, the adding apps to split view and slide over via drag and drop needs to change because it's only optimized for one of those modes. It's only optimized for touch. You can do it with a trackpad. I mean, I personally do it, but it's undeniable that it's kind of awkward to do it. And you compare that, for example, to context menus which are a new UI element, originally launched last year in, I, in iPadOS for, uh, 13, so before the Magic Keyboard, but obviously designed because Apple knew that the Magic Keyboard was coming, that the pointer was coming. And so you take a look at context menus, they are a perfect example of, an, of, a, new, of a UI element that works either via touch and with the pointer because of right-clicking. And so I really feel like going forward, all iPad features and apps will need to be designed with this mindset of, okay, how does this feature, how does this interaction uh, work, whether it's via touch or the keyboard and the pointer? And if, it, if, any, if it's only optimized for one of the two modes, then something needs to change. And that's the reason why I think split view inside over something will need to happen there because it's not great to use with a pointer. Maybe better keyboard integration would be the solution, but I really feel like we will gain new UI indicators to, to let you uh, activate split view and see what's active in SlideOver. I really feel like the current system, which is mostly invisible, right? Unless you know about it, it's mostly based on operating these invisible gestures that open the SlideOver tray or show you multiple windows, I really feel like Apple needs to add new UI elements to let visually communicate, here's how you activate split view, here's what's currently opening slide over and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, um, I personally like it, but I think it needs to change. All right, we have more things, of course, to say about why we love using the iPad as our primary computer. But before we mention those things, let me thank our first sponsor. Uh, this episode of Adapt is brought to you by Drafts. Drafts is where text starts on all your Apple devices. It launches ready to type, and it's the quickest way to jot down ideas and tasks, dictate notes, or draft messages and social media posts. There's no need to stumble around to find the right app. Just open Drafts and start typing. It works on iPhone, iPad, Mac, and even Apple Watch all with fast sync so that your captured text is always where you need it. Drafts has a configurable editing environment, making it a friendly, trusted place to edit and update any text on your iOS devices with whatever fonts and themes that you like. Once you capture your text, there are powerful actions and automation tools that let you do almost anything with it. So you can send mail or messages, from your drafted text. You can post it to Twitter. You can save it to files in Dropbox or iCloud Drive, Evernote, or other services. There's so much that you can do with drafts. There's so much power that the app gives you. It's really like a tinkerer's dream. And drafts is always getting better. It's actively developed, bringing support for the latest OS technologies and new features all the time. You know, as someone who writes about apps for a living, I, I can testify that Drafts is one of the most frequently updated apps. And, and I don't mean, you know, like 
those social media apps that say, oh, we update every two weeks to give you bug fixes and performance improvements. Like Drafts gets new features and quality improvements all the time. Um, it's, a, it's a fantastic regularly updated app. So you can try Drafts today in your dock for a week for free. Uh, just go to getdrafts.com. That is getdrafts.com and try Drafts entirely free for a week. Our thanks to Drafts for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Okay, so there are more things that we love about the iPad. Um, I want to mention one thing in particular, which is kind of the, the system of, of focus and simplicity that's mm. built into the device because it was originally conceived as a one app at a time device and interface. And that's changed, right? You can have two apps in split view. You can add a third in slide over. You can even have a fourth in, you know, a picture in picture. I don't know anyone who regularly has four different apps like that. Maybe there are people out there who do that. I personally yeah, don't. Yeah, I occasionally do it. Especially okay. when I'm, well, <laughs> I, I do it. Mm. There's two I feel like that's something people scenarios. do for screenshots, right? Like they do it to show no, off. Oh, look, no. at, look at everything you can do. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, I've done that, but I have two particular <laughs> scenarios. One is taking notes for WWDC. So okay. I would have a video, um, notes, MindNode, and Twitter open at the same time. Uh, just like well, I have a list that John made of like developers that I have in Twitter. And yeah, I, I've done that. Like, four things at the same time, but also uh, when I'm team building in Pokemon, I would have like a video and multiple notes windows open because I take my team building very seriously. And especially when I need to check, check multiple stats and, and strategies. Yeah. So, anyway, okay. I'm sorry. All right. I'm no. one of those weirdos who, who does no, that. No, that's actually. fair enough. <laughs> I think maybe I just don't watch enough videos. I, I really don't watch a lot of videos on my device. And if uh, video conferencing apps support, besides FaceTime, supported picture-in-picture, yeah. picture, then I would definitely use it. But anyways, I'm not going to get onto that rant. But I, I still love the fact that despite how the iPad's you know app management system and window management system has changed and evolved and there is more complexity to it, it's still a lot simpler, at least to me, than managing traditional windows like on a Mac. You know, just kind of arbitrarily resizing them to whatever size you want them to be, putting them on different parts of the screen. Like, I really have grown to dislike that method of computing. Um, and I know some people love that. Some people want that level of control and flexibility. But for me, it's just, it's too much mental overhead. I, I like having a single app on screen. There, there are lots of times where I just have one app on screen. And I know you can do that on a Mac, of course, but it's just, it, it feels strange to me, maybe because most Macs have larger displays than what the iPad does. Um, but I will, you know, use Ulysses, my primary writing app, um, in full screen all the time. But then I also use Split View all the time. And it's just, it's just simple. It's elegant. It's, yes, it would maybe be nice to have the option of even more apps in some scenarios when it's really needed. But I don't think I would use that functionality most of the time if I had it. Um, but yeah, I just, I love the the simplicity and the elegance of the iPad. And I feel like it helps me focus better on tasks. You know, multitasking is something that is a broadly debated topic, whether human beings can really multitask or not. And, you know, I won't get into that, but uh, I feel like there's there's a lot more peace of mind that I can have in just having less going on on screen and having less kind of, you know, different shaped windows that are kind of floating all over the place. And it takes a lot of work to get them exactly where you want them. And so, yeah, I, I really appreciate that about the iPad. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, whenever I need to use a Mac, such as right now, for example, I'm so used to, to the iPad's uh, environment where by default, the app that you open, it opens in full screen and it takes over the entire screen that I really dislike. I've reached the point where I really dislike how on the Mac that is not true. And by default, when you open an application, it doesn't fill the entire screen. 
And in the years, I mean, I'm coming up in my almost 10 years that I've been using, I guess, at this point, the just nine years, the iPad as my primary computer. Uh, I uh, At this point, I really dislike seeing like the desktop underneath on, on the Mac and like seeing icons for like folders or external drives. Like when I click on notes or when I click on Safari, I don't want to see like half a window up on screen. I want it to fill the entire thing. And because it bothers me to, to have like these multiple layers that I don't want to see that I don't need that are peeking through from underneath the window. And so to, to, to fix that, I've, um, I've been using better touch tool on the Mac, which is like this, this wild utility that lets you uh, create all sorts of custom keyboard shortcuts and custom gestures. I've been using that to, to, to put together a, um, a custom gesture that allows me to double click the title bar of any Mac applications window to instantly fill the display. And I don't want to use full screen mode. I want to use like regular mode. Mac OS has a full screen mode, but full screen mode is kind of weird in that it takes you to like a separate space. And I don't want to use that. I just want a, a way for an application to fill the entire screen and just have the dock by one side. And uh, so I've been using Better Touch tool to, to do that. So whenever I click on something and it's not full screen, and by full screen, I mean it doesn't go from corner to corner of my external display, I double click and it resizes instantly. So that's a way to, for me to sort of replicate the iPad experience. And then if I want, I think this is also a Better Touch tool feature. I don't think it's by default. Um, I, if I want to use Split View, I don't use the native macOS split view, which again, I think it's based on the weird full screen method that they have. But instead, and again, I believe this is a better touch tool feature. I can drag a window to one side of the screen and like, um, uh, um, there's like, a, 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 like an overlay comes up uh, that allows me to, re to instantly resize the window so that it snaps to the left side of the screen. And then I can do the same for another window and I can snap it to the right and I can create a split view, quote-unquote split view, without entering full screen mode. I think if, you, if you've ever played around with window managers for the Mac, you know what I'm talking about, like snapping to corners or sides of the display. So the more I, like I was thinking about, about this and I realized what I've done is I've essentially recreated the way that I like to manage windows on iPad but on the Mac, which I think is pretty indicative of where my tastes lie <laughs> these days in terms of uh, managing Windows and having like that sort of that default simplicity, I think is a good way to describe it. That on iPad, when you open something, it defaults to being full screen and nothing else. And then if you want, you can create split view and slide over, but by default, it's very simple. And I like that. And that sounds like if, if I were to ever start using a Mac more regularly, I, oh, I would, you would definitely need, need better touch tool. Yes. It sounds yes. like a lifesaver. Like that would make my Mac experience so much better. Oh no. Like uh, resizing windows on the Mac by like placing the corner, uh, the, the, the cursor over the corner of a window. It's terrible. Then, oh no, 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 no. Who wants to do that? That's terrible. Yes. Um, I want to mention, I mean, this won't come as a surprise given that we've just done an episode. Literally, we mentioned like 45 different apps. But I think one thing of, the, of working on the iPad that I really like is the app ecosystem. Um, Apple, I believe that they, they mentioned how they have over 1 million iPad apps on the App Store. And of course, numbers don't necessarily mean anything anymore in 2020. They used to be a bigger deal when the App Store's... Uh, you know, including Googles and Amazons were like in their infancy years ago. But what I think the point that Apple is trying to make here is that they have a vibrant app ecosystem on, on iOS and iPadOS to the point where I think it's pretty undeniable that we have a lot more app variety on iPad than the Mac these days, which I also think it's why Apple wants to make it easier for developers of iPad apps to bring them to the Mac, either via Catalyst or on Apple Silicon Macs, of course, iPad apps will be able to run unmodified on future, uh, on future Macs. Um, but I think it's a lot easier 
for me to find like new utilities, new productivity apps on iP- coming out on iPhone and iPad uh, than compared to macOS. So uh, that sense of there's always something new. There's always like new updates. There's always a new developer coming out with a really interesting new idea. That sense of being a vibrant, active marketplace is also something that I really like about working on the iPad. Uh, and especially, you know, Mac Stories, I think, is well uh, positioned for, for this kind, uh, you know, for, for this because we like to cover apps from indie developers, new apps, new utilities, productivity stuff. So it is also part of my job to do this, but I like at a personal level, I also like knowing that, um, you know, I can find more apps and I can find very specific utilities on the iPad App Store, not so much on the Mac. And it's also like the obvious one, stuff like shortcuts. Uh, it's not available on the Mac at all. And obviously, short, yes, there's other kinds of automation on the Mac, but I really prefer shortcuts. I don't want to use Automator. I don't want to use AppleScript. I really prefer shortcuts myself. And so uh, the fact that the iPad App Store and the entire app ecosystem is a lot more, is richer and more active and more uh, modern on, on the iPad, I think it's also a pretty big reason why I really like to use it as my main computer. You know, another thing for me is I love that the iPad has gotten more modern technologies than the Mac has for a while now. Mm. That seems like it's starting to change this year. Seems like it's going to be a huge year for the Mac. And I'm actually excited about what's going on with the Mac. I'm excited about Apple Silicon and Mac OS Big Sur, the redesign there. And, you know, there's lots of potential there for the Mac to actually move forward in lockstep with Apple's other platforms. But it just hasn't done that for a long time now. Um, The iPhone, rightfully, because it's been kind of the juggernaut of Apple's product lineup, the iPhone has gotten the most attention from a development standpoint, but the iPad has benefited from that iPhone focus for so long. It's gotten features like Face ID. It's gotten, you know, new OS features because for the longest time, both devices were running iOS. Uh, even now, iPadOS is still a version of iOS. There are some differences, but uh, so I, I just appreciate the fact that the latest and greatest stuff is usually on the iPad before it's on the Mac. And like I said, I hope that that's changing. I hope that moving forward, you know, the devices will be able to kind of be advanced and evolved uh, in a similar respect so that you know, you don't have to wait years and years and years for a Mac to get Face ID after an iPad got it. Um, so I think that there's a lot of a lot of reason to be hopeful about this changing. But at least for now, one of the things that makes me love the iPad is that it it gets more attention from Apple than the Mac does, or at least that's how it appears from the outside. Yeah, maybe that's changing to an extent with Big Sur and. And of course, Apple Silicon Macs. I think you know, especially WWDC 2020 has been a pretty, pretty much you know a Mac year, you could say. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's also very much true that there's a lot more new stuff and happening on iOS and iPadOS. So maybe, maybe the maybe the the tide is changing there, but it's too still too early to to tell. Um, now, do you wanna Ryan? Do you wanna talk about some of the things that? Maybe you know we talked about the things that we like about iPad as a primary computer. Some of the like the the, the big overall ideas. Uh, do you want to talk about some of the the issues and what maybe what kind of users will have some you know a challenging time trying to use the iPad as a primary computer? Yeah, uh, you know, and honestly, the first thing on my list, which it it's just it's obvious, but I think it needs to be stated anyways is that if you really like the way that traditional computers work, oh, yeah. then maybe the iPad's not for you because it doesn't work quite like that. If you have been using a, a traditional computer for years and years and years and you really like it, then you know what? Maybe you, you don't want to do something different. If, if you're iPad curious, though, like if, if you're really intrigued by you know, what you have seen with iPadOS, if you're really intrigued by what Apple's doing with the platform, then you know I would encourage you to maybe give it a shot. 
But if you're if you're one of those people that is like, you know what, I really depend on and rely on things working the way that they have always worked, then yeah, maybe the iPad's not for you, and that's okay. Like it, it's perfectly fine for you to enjoy the computer that you enjoy, and uh, we we want to encourage you to do that. Um, but yeah, we're we're not trying to get everyone to become an iPad user because it's not the best device for everyone. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I totally agree. And uh, in looking at my list of of issues, and I think they all pretty much have something in common here. Um, I believe that all what the iPad is in isn't best suited for is all kinds of tasks that either require a combination of multiple like external pieces of equipment or that usually benefit from really large displays. And of course, the iPad is limited to, uh, the biggest iPad right now is uh, almost 13 inches, 12.9. So um, things like, obviously, podcast recording is one of them. I and others have figured out ways to record podcasts on iPad, but they still involve having to buy multiple pieces of expensive equipment. And it's not nearly as intuitive and as straightforward as it is on a Mac or on a PC where you could just plug a microphone in and talk on Skype or FaceTime and also record your own local end at the same time. Um, so that kind of like podcast recording, I think, is one of the one of the aspects that could really be improved. And at the moment, can be done. I do it. John does it. Jason does it. But it should be easier. And also, like. All like tasks tasks that are usually suited for a computer that can be used with a big display and where you could plug in a series of like external drives for backup purposes, for example. So uh, audio and video editing obviously come to mind. You know, uh, you take a look at the setups of YouTubers like MKBHD or Austin Evans, and they're all using things like Final Cut or... Uh, Premiere by Adobe, and they have these um, multiple layers of external drives uh, to import footage or to backup their work, and they have multiple backup disks. And all of this stuff, it's really, well, first of all, there's no Final Cut or Premiere on, on iPadOS, but also if you want to deal with like heavy files for multiple projects and have multiple layers of backup, like all this kind of stuff, it cannot... It, it's not well suited for iPadOS yet. And I think it's okay because that's exactly the kind of task that macOS uh, was designed for. And so if you're Apple, you can make you can say, well, we, are, we already have a machine dedicated to those tasks and that's a Mac. Um, but also like uh, things like Photoshop, for example, a few weeks ago, we were at the beach. This is a, it's a story that I'm not sure I've told before. We were at the beach and um, Silvia, who usually takes care of design tasks for Mac stories, uh, she needed to do something uh, for the website. She needed to, to prepare some artwork and we had a deadline. And we were at the beach and for the first time she didn't bring her MacBook Pro with her. And so I told her, well, I have my iPad Pro, you can use Photoshop. And Ryan... I cannot begin to tell you all the different complaints that I've heard from her about Photoshop for iPad and how it's not real Photoshop and so many features were missing. Like, I had her explain to me, like, what are actually the issues? Can you actually explain to me? Because I have no idea. And she made a long list of comments and, like, she actually explained, like, all these functionalities that are just missing in Photoshop for iPad. And Adobe, as as mentioned, yes, we're bringing them eventually, but as it stands right now, it's undeniable that Photoshop for iPad is not as powerful and as flexible as Photoshop on the Mac or PC. So uh, design tasks can also be problematic. And I think overall, I will say that any kind of complex file management. So if you're the kind of person who really loves the Finder and like having like scripting things like tags and having multiple windows, and have saved searches and smart folders, all of those features are not are barely available. I mean, you, you can only use tags, I think, in files, but everything else, like uh, saved searches and, and more complex filters, and quick actions, of course, are not available on iPad. And I will also say that uh, 
due to the nature of the platform, uh, if you're the kind of user who relies on shell, script, shell scripts and using the terminal uh, to automate things on your computer or to run specific programs via the shell on your computer, well, that's not possible on iPad uh, either. Uh, there are some third-party shell apps, but those are sandboxed. So it's not like using the terminal on the Mac where you actually have access to the entire OS. So yeah, be mindful of all this. Uh, I will say, you know, two macro categories of things that a traditional computer does, and if you really like it, that's fine. So file management, the shell, just the way the Windows uh, operates, um, for example, totally valid reasons, but also these complex tasks that involve heavy production workflows. I think iPadOS still has a long way to go there. I think the last thing I want to mention in this category is if you are the kind of person who really likes having fine-grained control over every aspect of the computer that you're using. So you you want to modify, you know, the the sounds, you want to modify all the keyboard shortcuts, you want to modify the ways that windowing works. I mean, Better Touch Tool is a good example. Apps like that that just give you extra power and flexibility to customize the computer to work exactly the way you want it to. Um, the Mac is definitely better for that than the iPad is. Uh, the iPad has grown in some ways, but there's still a lot that is like, this is the Apple way, and so this is how it works, and, and you can't really do a whole lot to change that. So um, something to keep in mind, if if you're that kind of person who just really wants everything to be exactly the way that you want it to be, uh, the iPad may or may not. Like For me personally, I'm... I'm a very particular person. I have very specific um, preferences on just lots of things in life. And uh, for me, the iPad, even though it lacks the flexibility to kind of tweak it and tinker with it to make it exactly how I want it, I really like the way that it works already. And so it's, it, it's good for me, but you know that may not be the case for everyone. And so definitely something to, to keep in mind if you're considering the iPad. Um, let me thank another sponsor and then we've got kind of one more area one more topic that we want to cover before we wrap up today uh, this episode of adapt is also brought to you by Paperlike. if you have an ipad then you'll know how great it is to store your notes drafts and sketches digitally but sometimes drawing with the apple pencil doesn't quite feel as good as writing on paper Paperlike is the ipad screen protector for creators and doers that lets you draw and write like on paper. So whether you're annotating drafts or taking notes or sketching out your big ideas, with Paperlike, you can take things to the next level by reducing muscle fatigue that's caused by writing on a glass tablet. You can make your iPad feel just like a notebook, all while keeping the convenience of digital. Uh, artists love Paperlike too. It's not just the note takers. Uh, artists love it because it's optimized to create the ideal amount of friction and the right stroke resistance for optimal accuracy. So instead of sliding your Apple Pencil around on the glass surface, it feels just like a page in your sketchbook. And unlike other screen protectors, Paperlike enhances your viewing experience. It's made with superior display quality in mind. Uh, Paperlike never disrupts the experience of watching Netflix or YouTube, and the matte anti-glare finish even lets you enjoy screen time while in the sun. It's summertime, you know, with with the state of the world right now, everyone is uh, encouraged to do less things indoors in public and more things outdoors in public. And so, you know, if you're going to be spending time in the sun, like I know Federico's been spending a lot of time at the beach, mm -hmm. then having this extra layer of anti-glare finish is just an added benefit on top of the main reason Paperlike exists, which is to give you a more Paperlike experience with your Apple Pencil. So if this sounds like the product for you, go to paperlike.com adapt right now to get yours. That is paperlike.com adapt. Our thanks to Paperlike for their support of Adapt and all of Relay FM. 
All right, the last thing we want to talk about, and it's kind of related to what we just talked about. Uh, you know, we, we talked about maybe who the iPad isn't best suited for, but a related topic is where the iPad still needs to improve as a primary computer. So there's some overlap here, but what are, what are some specific things that you think, Federico, and I've got one or two things to mention, where the iPad just needs to get better if it's going to be the best primary computer it can be? Well, um, I mean, the obvious one is considering what's coming in iOS 14, um, I really feel like the home screen needs to be revamped uh, to match the capabilities of the iPhone. So the ability to have widgets anywhere on iPad, I think it will really be beneficial, especially because we have this larger screen uh, that really lends itself well to that kind of customization. And I think it's really surprising that the widgets on the home screen, uh, we're only getting them on the iPhone this year instead of the iPad. So to have that sort of, that degree of customization you know, sort of matching what's possible with the desktop on macOS, but in a different way. So to, with having icons and folders and widgets and shortcuts, sort of like a modern take on the desktop, I think that's also really needed on iPad. And I, and I hope it's one of the features that we're getting in iPadOS 15 at this point, because I really don't think Apple is changing its mind uh, with this release. So maybe by next year, we're going to have something similar to the iPhone, maybe also different, maybe also more powerful. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and when it comes to like um, just specific tasks and specific features, uh, for me, a big one is the ability to dock the iPad at a desk and use it with an external display. And I really think that proper integration, deeper integration with external displays needs to be something that Apple will need to address for power users in the future, especially now that there's a system pointer that can be used to move the cursor to an external display and interact with the UI without touching an external display, because obviously it's not a touch display. So uh, right now, the integration with external displays on iPad is still as limited as it was when it first launched many years ago. Uh, by default, the by default the iPad mirrors its UI to an external display, meaning it doesn't take advantage of uh, the form factor of an external display. You get pillar boxing to the sides with the black bars, and it's just a UI mirror to an external monitor. Uh, and specific apps can optimize for this and have um, a special UI appear on the external monitor that's different from what you see on the iPad screen. For example, working copy. Mind node, shift screen, all these utilities, they do it. However, you cannot control that UI with the pointer uh, because it doesn't work like on the Mac where the pointer can uh, sort of navigate from the iPad screen to an external display. So to have a proper integration with external display, have it work alongside the pointer and alongside the app switcher, split view and slide over, I think it's going to be key for power users who want to have uh, a desktop iPad experience because that's possible now. You can totally dock the iPad at a desk, use a magic trackpad or use your magic keyboard, use a mouse and use it as a portable workstation. It's totally possible. Um, and yeah, I mentioned the home screen and I think all the other things I mentioned before, so a revamped multitasking system to move beyond the exclusivity of drag and drop, I think it's important. And also, uh, obviously, I'm a, uh, I keep mentioning this on Adapt and Unconnected, more pro apps made by Apple for the iPad. It will really help to have versions of Logic and Final Cut made by Apple for the iPad. And obviously, the big one, Xcode, because I really feel like developers need, uh, you know, a computer... Many people take a computer seriously on you when you can create software for the computer on the computer itself. And uh, I, I really think we've reached the point where there needs to be Xcode or some other new development tool that allows you to write code and run software, test software, and install it directly on device. So the machine that writes uh, software for the machine itself. That's usually a pretty big threshold to cross for any computing environment. And I think well into a decade of iPad, I think we've reached that point. So I have to mention briefly, which I alluded to already, video conferencing. Um, 
just given the state of the world right now, I, I talked about this on the last episode, so not going to spend much time on it, but the iPad is not a good primary computer if you have a lot of video conferencing in your life right now. If you're doing Zoom calls, if you're doing Google Meet, etc., it's not a good device because you can't multitask while using those apps. Maybe that's going to change at some point. I, I, I certainly hope so. Um, the only video conferencing app that I've used that supports picture-in-picture picture is FaceTime. And the other apps, because of the way iPadOS works, the camera automatically shuts off when you try to multitask. So if you've got uh, two apps on screen, so you've, you know, depending on um, the, the setup you're using, I've, I've done this like with scanning apps that support split view, but then it doesn't support split view when you've, uh, to have the camera on at the same time. The camera will automatically shut off when you are in split view. And for some reason, I, I don't think that this has changed in iPadOS 14. I haven't noticed it changing. Maybe it has and I just missed it. But, um, you know, I, I've very much envied lots of Mac users over the last many months because they get to use Zoom alongside all of their other apps on their computer, which, you know, imagine that. Um, whereas for me, my iPad has to become a single app device just running Zoom and nothing else. So if that's a big part of your life right now, then now probably isn't a great time to switch to the iPad. Um, another thing for me is, you know, there are certain uh, power user features that I miss from the Mac. And uh, I know you've got some as well that you want to mention. But for me personally, they are things like uh, background operations for apps. Uh, the ways that apps work on the iPad is that they're very limited in what they can do in the background. They're very constricted. It's it's for security reasons, but the Mac has never had that problem. You can have apps that run persistently in the background doing things like running automations, uh, doing things like, you know, copying everything from your clipboard so that it's all saved and accessible, the entire history of what you've copied and pasted in the past. Uh, I really like utilities like that. And I just can't have them on the iPad, which is unfortunate. I also would love more customization with regard to keyboard shortcuts. Um, just the fact that you can't do much in terms of setting system-wide keyboard shortcuts. It, it's kind of a bummer, especially now that you know I, I am using my iPad as a laptop basically all the time. I've got this great magic keyboard, which has a trackpad that now enables me to keep my hands on the keyboard even more than I was able to before. And yet the amount of keyboard shortcuts that I have available to me for the OS itself is pretty limited. So I'd love to have more options there. Uh, I know I could turn on full keyboard access and then you can customize a whole bunch of stuff, but there's a lot of other negatives that go along with that experience. So some more options there would be great. Um, Federico, what are some power user features that you would love to see more of on the iPad? Oh yeah, keyboard shortcuts for sure. And uh, I guess there's all kinds of things uh, when it comes to shortcuts that I could go on and on, like let me run code inside shortcuts and let me uh, create templates and presets. But I will just mention that I would like to see, and maybe there are smaller things, but those power user features that you see all the time on the Mac and that for some reason they're still not here on iOS, on iPadOS. So things like saved searches and the smart folders, which is such a commonplace feature in any Apple app on the Mac, like the Finder or Mail. And that's still not possible in Mail for iOS or files. So the ability to save a search or to create a small folder that automatically organizes things for you, I think that I, I really love to see that and also customizable toolbars, which is a feature of macOS that not a lot of people appreciate enough. You know, when you, uh, you can uh, right-click a, a toolbar on the Mac and you can customize the toolbar and you can put anything you want in there. And so you can put different buttons, you can put different... Uh, in Mail, for example, you can put uh, both icons and mailboxes and I think also like um, saved searches. Uh, you can put those in there. And I think that kind of UI customization is also something that I would really like to see on iPadOS where the UI is pretty much static. Uh, you know, what the developer or what Apple gives you is what you need to use. And uh, something that I really love from the Mac is the fact that, yes, 
you know, it's not like I uh, I can have like theming support, but at the very least, I can customize toolbars and I can put the shortcuts and the functions that I need the most at at the more at, at the most convenient place for me. Right. Well, I think we should probably wrap up this series and wrap up this episode. We have talked a lot about the ins and outs of iPad as your primary computer, and maybe we've inspired some some purchases of iPads. Who knows, Federico? Ryan, did we start this series before we had the Magic Keyboard? I think it was after the Magic Keyboard. Okay, okay. Yeah. Because it feels like forever ago since we started this. Yeah, so we started it back in May. And, you know, the way that time is working in the world right now is a little odd, so maybe that's why it feels that way. But yeah, we we started it not not too long ago. So, Um, but there, you know, there have been a lot of things that have happened since we started it, such as WWDC, the introduction of iPadOS 14, which we we spent an episode talking about the features of that, but we had just gotten our hands on it ourselves. And so I think next episode, what we need to do is spend a little more time just talking through how we've been using it, what we've been liking about it, what we maybe haven't been liking about it, and, and doing a more hands-on with iPadOS 14 now that you and I have both been using it for several weeks. And uh, I think that'll be fun for, for next time. But, uh, but for day, today, this has been episode 30 of Adapt. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors for this episode, Drafts and Paperlike. If you want to find show notes for today, you can go to our website, relay.fm slash adapt slash 30. And to follow us online, Federico is on Instagram and Twitter as at Vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And you can find me on Twitter as at I-R-Y-A-N T-L-D-R. That's I-R-Y-A-N T-L-D-R. And both of us are writing at maxstories.net. Until next time, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye.